0: Welcome back to The Other Side of 45 Podcast. I am your host, Randy Black. This podcast is about taking chances, owning my mistake, addressing generational family trauma, completing my 50-50s by 50 list, and my life as a single empty nester. If you listened to my last podcast, Faping and Deflowering, this is part two of that episode. I'm learning that I'm still holding back on sharing. One of the reasons I started a podcast is to be honest about who I am and how I got here. I contemplated re-recording the episode to add some context, but settled on recording a part two. That will hold the integrity of the original reason why I shared my experience with vaping and attending my first drag brunch which was completing the line items on my 50, 50s by 50 list. I'm learning, hopefully next time I find myself in this situation, I can do both. But that's life, you pivot when necessary. In the last episode, I shared how my youngest daughter and I tried bathing. It was my first time, but not sure if it was hers. As I expressed in the previous episode, I had my daughter go in into the into inspect the hookah bar because I don't like going to places that are really smoking. I do not tolerate smoke well. And I'm morally against nicotine, which is why smoking hookah was a big deal for me. However, this wasn't my first experience with nicotine. I'm not sure. Sh- sure if i shared this with my daughters but once upon a time i tried smoking cigarettes i was in my late teens early 20s had moved out of my mother's house and to be blunt i wanted to rebel growing up in a cult-like religious household with many restrictions i didn't way too far away from the rules as a child once i was out on my own i deliberately decided to try things i knew were not approved my word i can't believe i'm sharing this okay so i started doing low-key things that was never allowed that i was never allowed to do i dressed what was considered inappropriately i remember wearing a short skirt a body shirt and heels I was dating, I was fornicating, (laughs) and yes, smoking. Now, I never really liked smoking. As a matter of fact, as a child, I hated it. I was around smokers my entire life and didn't like the way they smelled or the smoke in my face or even near me. So I'm not really sure why I added smoking to my rebellion list. It was probably because it was something easy and cheap for me to do, because I worked at a convenience store and we had damaged cigarettes that were going to be discarded. And I used that box of discard cigarettes to begin my smoking journey. My cigarettes of choice were basic ultra light. I chose ultra lights thinking it was not as harmful. Now this was the 90s so no internet to research and to verify that this was the healthier choice if you can have a healthier cigarette. But I was afraid that someone would catch me and report back. So I didn't smoke in public or anywhere that I knew there was a chance that someone would see me. This was me doing private smoking sessions, if you will. I was excited to be in this new world. I carried my pack secretly, but I knew they were there with a lighter. (laughs) But it was freeing and I felt like I was living on the wild side. The problem was that I was so afraid that I, I actually would forget to smoke. I would have to remind myself that I was a smoker now and I needed to smoke, which, which was not easy because I was not frequently in spaces that I felt safe to indulge in my new life. I was living the low-key wild side, yep, that is a thing. I was doing enough to get in trouble if caught, but not doing enough to actually get caught. I was so self-conscious about my smoking. I wasn't sure if I was doing it right. I'm a people watcher, and I would watch smokers to see how they held a cigarette. I tried to learn the process and adopt it. I never really got a process. It was, oh yeah, you can smoke now. Then I would light up. This is the thing. I hated it. I didn't like the taste. It was horrible. Eventually I just gave up. I mean, I don't know how long I was a smoker. Maybe a few weeks, certainly not months. The thing is, I still didn't feel like I belonged. I was too busy hiding the secret that I couldn't find a place to fit in. The people that I call my friends will disapprove. And if I made new friends, living in a small town that without me there was no space for a low-key bad girl in this town well not that I knew of and I didn't continue this rebellion long enough to find out I still did things that the majority disapproved of which contributed to my lack of openness and finding my tribe which I struggle with today there are really there are really not many periods of time that I live my true self I have suppressed that part of me for so long also I'm trying to figure out who I am and who I want to be that's why I raise my children to try new things and not to be afraid and to be themselves which brings me to the other portion of the latest episode deflowering the drag, the drag show. So I call it deflaring because it was my first time vaping and attending a, a drag show. Also, the MC Ruby Red said we were drag show virgins. <laughs> anyway, going to Midtown Moon's have a review for the drag brunch was me practicing what I taught my children. My daughter had a sash on that said "Finally 21," and Ruby Red asked her about her birthday and who I was she said that's my mother and the response was wow how great it was that I was open-minded enough to bring her to a drag the to a drag show excuse me and the you know the crowd applauded now the day following the brunch. My co-worker had seen the pictures on my Instagram and commented that it looked like I had a fun weekend and she thought it was great that I took my daughter to a drag show brunch. adding that you don't see that often with parents of adult children, especially in the, back, in the black community. And I understand why. Because not too long ago that was something I wouldn't have been able to do being raised to believe that those in the lgbt plus community were living immoral lives i was not an ally although it didn't personally bother me i was taught it was wrong i didn't know anyone in that community so it really didn't come up a lot and before i start living my truth i didn't discriminate against those in the lbgt plus community but i probably would have not attended a drag show when i first moved to metro atlanta in 2000 i saw queer people at the mall and i was shocked that it was so common living in a small town with my background you didn't see many openly gay people as a matter of fact it was common what was common was using homophobic slurs we didn't call it that at the time but that's what it was making fun of those who didn't fit gender norms and being insensitive to those who were struggling with how to be openly gay so when i saw gay couples in public spaces in atlanta it didn't bother me like it should have because i was taught it was wrong but i still was not an ally I am now, but back then I had no experience with the career community or the challenges. I was far removed from their experience and therefore couldn't relate. Even now, although I do consider myself an ally, I am unfamiliar with their struggles. And I have a lot to learn. I believe that is why going to this brunch was important to me. It, it was more than just completing the items on my 50 50s by 50, 50 list okay so here's where I get deeper okay oh my my coworker, who invited me to the drag show is also an entertainer at the show I don't know her that well but seeing those pictures and the person that was standing before me I was intrigued Not only about the process of glamming up for the show, but I I admired her for living her life in her truth. I'm sure everything isn't easy, but the fact that she was still doing it was intriguing and admirable. Because that's just not how I was raised and that's not how I lived my life. The entire bar was living their truth in this space. I don't know their stories, and I do wonder because, again, I am a people watcher. But that day, at that time, all of my insecurities, it didn't matter. I didn't feel judged, but I'm sure they could have because, wow, they looked awesome, and I looked, well, as the saying goes, either perfect face or radio, updated to say podcasting. Seeing her and then and the rest of the ladies in full drag, having a great time in a space that welcomed her was uplifting. It gave me the courage to keep going. I don't have that community of support, nor do I need such a community. But sharing my story on this podcast is a start. When I look back on my life, At my co-worker's age, she's about 22, 23. I I know I couldn't do it. I'm not even sure I could do it at my current age. I mean, seriously, I couldn't even have a cigarette without hiding. And the thing is, I've lived a good portion of my life looking over my shoulder, wondering who's watching, afraid to speak up about how I really felt, not knowing who I am, therefore not living my truth. But, you know, finally on the path to finding my truth. I, I say finding my truth because as I plan my podcast episodes and discover what's next as an empty nester, I discover things about myself. New things. Things that were lying dormant. And if you're a wonder, that means that I'm bi or coming out of the closet. No, this has nothing to do with sexuality. I'm confident. I'm a heterosexual woman. I only bring this up because I was asked that at the drag show. But those dormant things are things that I lost and buried years ago because I was not yet ready to face them. And I'm not sure how many of those things I'm ready to face now. One of those things, those dormant things, was my first encounter with an openly gay couple. When I was a child, My cousins and I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's house. I love, even to this day, going to my grandmother's house. My grandmother still lives in the same house she did when I was a child, which is a walking distance from the police station and post office. One day, my cousins and I were sitting on her porch in rocking chairs and where it cries, and saw a woman darting from the house across the street covered in blood. Chasing her was her partner wielding a bat. The victim and her partner were having a vicious fight. They were known lesbians, although we didn't call them that back then. The victim was covered in blood and was desperately trying to get away, but she failed, And her partner took advantage of that and began beating her with the bat. I was horrified. My heart. Aunt heard the cries and came outside. My grandfather joined us on the porch and said, Mind mind your business. Don't, Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Don't get involved. And I'm grateful to this day that my aunt ignored him and she yelled at the woman beating her girlfriend to stop. I mean, she heard my aunt, but she ignored her. And my aunt raced down the steps of my grandmother's porch and ran toward the police station. And she could see them outside of the station she yelled at them to come and help see like I said my grandmother lives close enough to the police station that if they are outside they can hear you if you talk loud enough and they did in fact hear my aunt and ran toward the house they like we all did watched in horror as a woman despite having the police there continued to beat her girlfriend Eventually, the police were able to intervene, but the damage was done. The victim's body laid in the blood of pool. She, she was still alive, but badly beaten. I remember watching the EMTs leaving trash in the yard from the packages they opened to clean her up and when they provided her on-site aid and they left it all there. It was gross. I thought it was disgusting. Anyway, I remember watching in horror as the police tried to talk the woman into handing them the bat and her continuing to be her girlfriend with the bat while the police watched. I did not understand that. Anyway, the ambulance did transport the victim to the hospital and that bat wielding girlfriend was taken off to jail. For years, I didn't know if the victim survived that attack. But a few years ago my cousin said she did not i don't know what happened in the house but that was my first encounter with an openly gay couple traumatic so here's a side note i'm gonna pack a little bit more from this story what my grandfather said to us that day was one of the few things that I didn't understand about him, but it also showed me something in my aunt that I admired to this day. So it is, was, and is very common in my family to not come to the aid of others. And my grandfather was from a different time where well, you didn't get involved if it wasn't family, and I understand that. But I'm glad that my aunt taught me otherwise. Because of her, I have been I have been active in nonprofit organizations for years. Because I I believe it takes a community, and being an active member in a nonprofit helps me to embody the words you know. Of Miss Mary J. Blige and her song, Just Fine, which is also is a theme song for my life. I like what I see when I'm looking at me, when I'm walking past the mirror. Don't stress through night at a time in my life, ain't worried about it if you feel it. Got my head on straight, I got my vibe right, I ain't gonna let you kill it. You see, I went not change my life, my life is just fine. Okay, so this is a great way to end this story and to remind everyone that October is breast cancer awareness month. I Will Survive Inc. is a nonprofit providing support, prevention, education, health and wellness services for breast cancer survivors. As a board secretary for I Will Survive, I encourage you to participate in activities in October to support. I will survive. And they're $10 for 10 months campaign. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Your reviews and feedback are encouraged. So meet me on the other side of 45's podcast, blog, and Instagram. New episodes will be released every Monday. Thank you for tuning in.